Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. Excuse me, if you can open up your Bibles... Go ahead to James chapter 4 for now. I'm not going to start there, but I just want you to listen to me for a little bit. You can turn there. We're going to park there in James chapter 4 in a little bit. Uh, But we are in the middle of a series called Revival 2020. Revival 2020. What the Lord had placed on our heart and what He's been really speaking to us is that this church, this church has such a foundation and fundamental of faith that we can believe God to do the absolute miraculous. Church, we have a foundation of the Word of God that is so strong, that has been preached on and taught on for 30 years. We are just so thankful for that foundation. And what the Lord has been revealing to us, that as we put on top of that foundation these four words that He is calling us to as a church, not just locally, but globally, as He's calling the church to these four words, which have been... I mean, Pastor Liz had them, but they have been, she came, well, we had these almost a year ago, but I keep seeing them in prophecy after prophecy after prophecy from all over the globe that these words are going to be, begin to open up the floodgates of revival all across the land. And I'm so thankful that God gave us these words as well. And so this Revival 2020 series is all about learning what these words are. What do these words mean? How do they apply in our life? What does it mean to be a believer for these four words? And these four words are humility, repentance, obedience, and submission. Humility, repentance, obedience, and submission. You know, church, God is working. (laughs) God is working. He is doing some pretty amazing things. The key verse that will be the foundation verse for this entire series is found in 2 Chronicles 7. I'm going to read verse 14 through 16, and then we're going to look closer at verse 14. And we will get to James chapter 4. I know I told you to turn there. It says, if my people, if my people... This is the church. If the church, if my people will what? Who are called by my name will humble themselves. If my people who are calling upon his name, if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek my face, his face, we will humble ourselves and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. I I just, I'm amazed every time I read this. He's talking to the church. He's not talking about those who are walking in the world who are far from God. He's not saying they're going to turn their ways. He's saying, do we want revival to break out? We want the lost to be saved. We want the sick healed. We want disciples to be made and families growing. If this is what we want as a church, and we all say amen to that, then this scripture is telling us what we have to go do as a church. It's like, oh, wait a second. You mean we just can't just say it? Over and over until it happens? Yeah, we can say it. We can, we can just say these are the things we're calling to happen. But it's also saying there's some things we have to go do to get ourselves in alignment with what God's plans and purposes are. And then we see this all throughout the Bible, this happens. 
All throughout the Bible, there is obedience tied to the blessing. Look in, if you haven't read Deuteronomy chapter 28, go ahead and read that this afternoon during your fasting time. Maybe your fasting lunch. Read it at lunch. Humble ourselves, pray and seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then he hears from heaven, and he will forgive our sins, and then he will heal our land. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but we need some healing to happen in our land. There's healing that needs to happen all across the globe, but there is healing that needs to happen in this land. And I am believing as a church that the church will be the one that rises up and, and starts to look at these scriptures and says, you know what? The church will start being who the church is supposed to be. The church will start taking its rightful place in the areas that we have given over to the government. I'm sorry, church. We have abdicated our responsibility over and over and over to take care of the poor. We've given it to the government. The Bible says that we, the church, are supposed to take care of the poor, the widows, and the orphans. But we've abdicated responsibilities. We've given it to the government. And the Bible is saying we need to humble ourselves. We need to repent for the things that we have done wrong as a church, turn our face towards him, and he will begin to heal our land. So our hope does not rest in the Republican Party. Our hope does not rest in the Democratic Party. Our hope does not rest in President Trump. We will pray for him, but our hope represented is in the Lord. Only he can do this. Only he can heal this land. Only he can do it. And yes, it's important who's in office, and yes, it's important to vote, and yes, it's important to understand the political climate of our culture, but it's more important to understand what God is doing and what he wants the church to be doing at large and what he wants this church to be doing and how do we participate in getting our land healed. And the first thing he says, we have to humble ourselves. So we're going to spend some time talking about humility. What does this look like? What does this mean? What does the Bible say about humility? Is it, I mean, what is it really? What is this humility all about? So I did a quick definition of, uh, on humility. I won't get to the Google definition yet. But what I was feeling, I don't know where I was driving. I was maybe taking the kids to ballet, and I was coming back from ballet, and I was on Westlake Road. You know the big dip that goes down to Walnut Creek and comes back up, Right? I don't know what it is about that dip in the road, but I'm telling you the Lord speaks to me over and over and over on that road, on that dip. Remember the marked by miracles word? The marked by miracles word, God gave that to me on the dip on the road, okay? As I came up, I was like, your church will be marked by miracles. I was like, hallelujah, write it down. Well, as I came up just this week, the Lord was like, this is what humility is. This is what humility is not. And I'm like, okay, I'm driving, right? So you're driving and God starts downloading. Like, what is the process to download and start writing down what God has given you? You do a voice memo. Okay, you start doing a voice memo. So you kind of, you're driving, you're scrambling through your phone, you're looking like, asking Siri, Siri, bring me a voice memo very quickly, right? It comes up, and then you just start speaking. This is, this is how I drive, okay? Whatever. Y'all don't have to drive this way. But this is, don't be typing, okay? That's all I'm saying. So I started downloading. He was saying, this is what humility is not. This is what it is. So I want to share that with you this morning. Humility is not thinking that everyone else is better than you. 
Humility is not thinking that everybody else is better than you. Each of you are created in God's image. Each of you are uniquely made. Each of us is a unique character. We are saints when we have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. He, does, he sees us all together as one. None of you are below somebody else. You're not, well, well, you're Pastor Jason, so I must be below you somehow. And, you know, I just need to be, no, 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 it doesn't, the word never says that anywhere. Humility is not thinking that everyone else is better than you. Humility is not thinking that somehow you are inferior to someone else based on your race, your gender, your politics, or your denomination. I'll say it again. Because God's the one who said it, so I'm just relaying what he's saying. Humility is not thinking that somehow you are inferior to someone else because of your race, your gender, your politics, or your denomination. Humility is not degrading yourself. That is not, oh, it's just, I just, I'm such an idiot, I'm so bad, everyone's better than me, and all this stuff happens sometimes up here. You may not always say it, but it begins to happen up here, and you begin to believe what that is. God never said that that was humility. The Bible never teaches us that we should put ourselves down. To start putting ourselves down and talking bad about ourselves, because somehow we believe that, well, I just need to be so humble and small. God does not call that humility. Humility is not letting others walk all over you. That is not humility. That is actually not even submission. We'll get to that in a future week. It is not letting people walk all over you. That is not the definition of humility. Well, I'm not worthy, this or that. No, you are worthy of proper treatment. Thus saith the Lord. You're worthy of it. And humility is not this. This one I got as Don and I were talking. Humility is not rejecting a compliment. Don't say, oh, no, 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 I know, I just, it wasn't me, it was all God, it was all God, it was all, yes, it was all him, all Jesus, but he used you as a vessel, and it is okay to say yes, thank you every once in a while when someone compliments you. This is what humility is not. So then he told me what humility was, and let me just first read the Google definition of it, because sometimes, you know, my kids say, Dad, like, Google it, right? So this is, Google says it's a modest or low view of one's own importance. Okay, Google. A modest or low view of one's own importance. You see, but what Google left out is it's not being in comparison to someone else. It's being in comparison to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Absolutely, this this definition makes sense. It's a modest or low view of my own importance according to him, based on his family and who I am in his kingdom. See, Google doesn't understand the Bible all the time. So they missed this whole part, not as compared to others, but as compared to God. So what is this humility? Humility is a deep sense. Listen to this. It's a deep sense of knowing, of knowing that is only because of Jesus that I'm breathing, walking, and talking. It is, it is having this understanding that it's only because of him that I live and that I breathe. The Bible clearly says that. Humility is the understanding that we must fully submit every part of our lives to him and give him complete thanks and glory for all that we have and all that we can do. This humility is an act of submission of everything to him. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Humility is actually looking at somebody else and knowing that they need Jesus as much as you do. 
It's not saying, oh, I'm not as good as them, or the opposite, being prideful is, oh, I must be better than them. Look at this, I have this, I have that. No, no. It's humility is saying, you know what? I, they're not any better than me. I'm not any worse. But what it does say is that it's only because of Jesus that I am who I am and I can do what I can do. And I have to look at that person and say, it's only Jesus can change their lives. This is humility. Humility means thinking and understand that you can't fix anything or anyone, but only God can. Can we walk in humility that way? Not thinking we can fix anybody or to change anyone, only God can. Humility is submitting to the Holy Spirit to let him have his way in your life. This is the ultimate definition. It is submission to the Holy Spirit. Submitting to him all your plans, all your purposes to have his way in your life. Being humble to him. It's completely trusting and utterly surrendering your life to him. Knowing that you can't do it on your own. True humility. So what does the Bible say about humility? I'm going to read a couple scriptures about what the Bible says about humility. 1 Peter 5, verse 5 through 7. I'm going to talk about a few scriptures, and then I want to get into James chapter 4. It says, Likewise, you younger people must submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another, submissive to one another, and be clothed with humility. For what? For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Whoa. God resists the proud. Church. He resists the prayer. We walk around saying, I have all the answers and I'm, you know, the spiritual authority that we know everything and we're going to fix everything for you. No, no, no. It's the Holy Spirit that does the fixing. God, it's the understanding that God has given us that knowledge and that wisdom and that insight and we should share it with humility. Not being better or we're better than anybody else, but because God has blessed us with the knowledge of his word. There's a big difference there. Verse 6 is therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Listen to that. You are humbling yourselves under what? Not under a bunch of people. We are humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And what are we supposed to do? We cast our cares to him. Because he cares for us. This is why we can submit in humility to him. Proverbs 16, verse 18 and 19. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Ouch. Luke 14, 11. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Praise the Lord. In Proverbs eleven two, When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble... There is wisdom. So I don't know about you, but I want to walk in wisdom. I want to walk in humility. And so I begin to ask myself, how do I do that? What is the process? Does the Bible say anything that kind of gives me a little step-by-step way to walk in humility? And guess what? He does. James chapter 4. Here we go. James chapter 4. Where do wars, starting in verse 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? Where do the wars and the fights come? Come from among you. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Talking to the church, guys. He's talking to the church in your members. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. 
you fight in war. Where do these desires come from? They're coming from the world. They're coming from our fleshly desire to have what the world wants, to look like the world, to act like the world, because we are constantly inundated with what the world says is the right thing to do, the right thing to have, the right new gadget to have. If you don't have an iPhone 11, you should be humbly submitting to those who have the iPhone 11 because they're better than you somehow. Right? The commercials say the people are better that have the iPhone 11. I just have the, the 10S. Like, oh my gosh. What's wrong with me? The world constantly says, you need more, you need more, you need better, you need more, you need more. And even in the church, we begin to think this way and fight this way. And the band, we must have more lights and bigger speakers and more fog and more smoke. And where does the Bible say any of that? The Bible doesn't talk about that anywhere. We're looking around, looking for what we don't have. Next part of verse says, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Can I just park there for a second? This has been what I feel like the Lord has been talking about. I spoke about this a little bit on Wednesday night. Church, there are things that we need to start asking for. There are things we need to start asking for. The Bible makes it very clear. If we will put away all this stuff for the world, if we will stop thinking of, I want this because I want, you know, a million dollars, I want this so I can live easier, I want this for all this other, if we put all that aside and say, you know what, I'm going to begin to align my will with God's will, and I'm going to begin to ask him for some pretty big, bold things. This is what he wants us to go do. He wants us to ask these bold prayers. The Bible says, you know, he'll give us our daily bread. He'll take care of our needs. The Bible says we don't have to worry about today. Tomorrow's got enough worry about it on its own. The Bible already promises to take care of everything that we need today. Right now, it's already covered. So why don't we start focusing our prayers during this 21-day fast for the stuff that is absolutely impossible without God? Absolutely amazing and miraculous if it wasn't for him. He has to do the work. Can we start asking for some big, bold prayers as a church? Come on. I even believe that even as I'm speaking now, God is placing something in your heart to begin to pray for. Father, I ask that now in the name of Jesus, you begin to speak to each person. Give them a prayer. Give them a prayer to ask for something that is so bold, so audacious, so mountain-moving Father, they begin to speak it, they begin to say it, and they begin to see your miraculous moving power happen in their lives. I'm talking about relationships that everyone says no way they could be restored, and God's going to restore them. I'm talking about jobs that you could never, ever get in a million years, but only because of God, he opens the door and makes a way. I'm talking about big, audacious prayers, Heavenly Father. I ask that you begin to download those into each and every one of us right now, in this service, right now. Thank you, Lord. Show us your way. Show us your way. Thank you, Father. Again, I'll read that again. We do not have because we do not ask. And then verse 3 says, you ask and do not receive. So it's saying there's so many things that are on the table that you don't have because you haven't asked for them. And then there are some things over here, verse 3 begins to say, but you've asked for them and you don't have them, why not? Here we go. Why don't we have these? We ask and do not receive because we ask amiss. We ask amiss that we may spend it on our own pleasures. Heavenly Father, forgive us. Forgive us now, Jesus. 
Father, all we want is your kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Father, may each and every prayer that we say is complete alignment with your will, with your word, for our lives, for this church, and for this country. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Okay, a couple of prayer breaks in the, in the midst of the sermon. This is, this is different. Okay, it's all right. We don't have because we're asking amiss. It says we're asking for our own pleasure. For our own pleasure. And so many times, if you think back on some of your prayers, so many times we think, ah, I'm kind of asking for that. What do I really want? Why do I really want this to happen? And it's like this time of self-reflection, like, ah, yeah, it's really not expanding God's kingdom. It's just kind of just so, man. And that sometimes those prayers are okay if they're aligned with God's word. But I challenge you to begin thinking about why hasn't this prayer been answered? Why not? Maybe sometimes we have to reflect as to why in our own hearts are we truly asking God for this? Why is it? You know, many times God knows that some of these things that he'll give us will lead to pride and not to humility. He knows where we're at. He knows our hearts. Sometimes things tarry and we don't get things in certain time because he knows what's good for you. And you might say, well, no, 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 I need this now, I need this now. No, he knows when you need it. He knows when you need it. Because he says, I don't want to give this to you if it's going to cause pride in your life. Verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. What does that word mean? It means opposed or actually hostile. Hostile toward God. Wow. Friendship with this world is hostility towards God. Oh my goodness. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Father, help us. Verse 5. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? You see, God is after our hearts. He's after this humility on the inside of us, knowing that it's only because of him that I live and I breathe and I have my being. It's only because of him that I must be fully submitted to his plans and his purposes in my life. This sense of humility is a complete surrender to him. Everything that we are. Because he's jealous for us. The next verse says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, this is the the same wording that we looked at in 1 Peter. He's giving, he resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. When we walk around with that haughty spirit that we're better than someone else, that we have it all together, he's actually resisting you. He's saying, no, stop doing that. Submit to me in all surrender, with all humility. Repent and ask for forgiveness. You don't have it all together. Let me just let you know. You don't have it all together. Not one person here has it all together. He is working in each and every one of our lives. And if if he's resisting us when we're proud, he gives us grace when we are humble. Unmerited favor. An ability to do with him more than we could do on our own. How many of us want that in our life? So if you start looking at verse 7, God outlines a recipe for humility. Recipe for humility. There's four steps 
that God outlines, which is a recipe for humility. Verse 7 says, therefore submit to God. (laughs) What I love about this is that those four words that I've been talking about, humility, submission, repentance, and obedience, they all are linked together. You don't have one without the other. They're all like this interlinking, intermixing words that whenever you look at Scripture, you don't, always, you don't almost ever see just one of the words. They're all baked in together as this plan and this purpose of what God has for our lives. So how do we walk in humility? The first thing we have to do is submit to God. Submit our will to Him. Submit our plans to Him. Submit everything to Him. Submission to Him. Then the verse goes on and says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So number one, we have to submit to God. Number two, we have to resist the devil. We just talked about that last week. The ways we resist the devil are building up our spirit man and knowing the word of God and being able to speak the word of God in times of temptation, in times of trial, in times of testing. We begin to build ourselves up. And how do we do that? Is we can do that by fasting. So here we are beginning the fast today. And I challenged many of you last week, don't make this the normal 21-day fast that you did in the past. That even rhymed. Ooh, look at that. I'm like poet up here today. Yeah, do some rhyming. The kids know that I can start rhyming at any point in time. Look at their laughing. This is a total side note. Sometimes, I'm not going to do it here. But sometimes at home, I just start doing like this, I don't know, I just start beatboxing. I start doing these crazy rhymes and they come up with the silliest things. They're usually about our kids, about Grace, like whoever's in the room. But the kids, I think they somewhat love it, but somewhat hate it when I do it. Anyway, totally distracted. We need to resist the devil. Come on, we need to resist the devil. And we do that by building up our spirit man. And this is what fasting begins to do. We begin to build up our spirit man to put the flesh away, move the flesh out of the way so that the spirit man can be the one who's leading the way, front and center, so all the fiery darts of the enemy hit what? They heal that shield of faith that's standing up in front of us because our spirit man has been built up. We submit to God. This is walking, the recipe for humility, submitting to God, resisting the devil, The next part of the verse is, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. To walk in humility, we have to continue to be drawing near to God. We said that one of the key verses for the fast is Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Draw near to God, and his promise is that he will draw near to you. Think about that just for a minute. Think of the, the, the wording there. As we draw ourselves near to him, he draws himself even nearer to us. And what happens when we're that close to God, we cannot help but change. We cannot help but to walk in humility. We cannot help but see the things we need to repent for in our lives. We cannot help and say, I have to submit to you the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What happens when we draw near to God, we put the flesh to the side. This is walking in humility. And then it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. It's like, oh, what is he talking about here? He's talking about having a repentant heart. We want to walk in humility We have to submit to God, 
resist the devil, seek first his kingdom, and then we need to repent. We need to repent of the things that we have placed as idols in our life above him. And church, we all have them. They may look different for each and every one of us, but God is saying we have to submit those things and say, Lord, forgive me for placing these things before you. And I truly believe that this time of fasting is like this reset. It's this helpful thing that says, you know what? It is time for me to turn my heart back to him. It is time for me to take the things that I have placed above him, like my Instagram account and whatever else. I'm telling you, it, it happens, and we have to place it to the side. We have to place to the side caring about what people think of us. This is tough. Everybody cares to some extent what people think of them. Some more than others. But what God is saying is to walk in humility is to care and only care what he thinks about us. What does he think about us? We have to repent. And I read those words, this lament and mourn and weep. It sounds like David. It sounds like King David in the Old Testament. It's like, a, it's like we're reading a psalm here in the New Testament. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. What he's saying here is we have to completely repent and say even at our lowest point is when God meets us and says, I will take you to higher places. The last part of that verse says, verse 10, it says, so if we humble ourselves, if we do these things he's just outlined to us, if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, what happens? He will lift you up. He will lift you up. You don't have to lift yourself up. It doesn't have to be in your own strength. You don't have to pull your bootstraps up or whatever that saying is that are now, I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't even know what that means. Maybe somebody can tell me later what that means. I don't even understand what that means. What it's saying is that he lifts us up. When we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, when we say, I am repenting, I am submitting, I want to walk in humility towards you, when we are low, he lifts us up. Look at that analogy. What a beautiful analogy that he uses. So worship team, if you want to come up here, or whoever's playing behind me, this is fine. This morning, I just want to take just a, a few minutes of a time of ministry here. I want us just to remember that as we bow down and submit to him, this whole word of adore, and what the wise men did, the moment they saw Jesus, they bowed down. The moment they saw Jesus, they bowed down before him. This adoring Jesus, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. What happens is we are humbling ourselves before Him. And the Word says when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, He lifts us up. So if we could just close our eyes for a minute, bow our heads. Team, if you want to just start playing in the, behind me there when you're ready. I just want to take a few minutes to reflect on what God is talking to us about this morning. I would ask if this message has pierced your heart. It says, I have placed some things before Jesus in my life. 
I have not submitted to him everything in my life. I have not been walking in true humility. Maybe you've been putting yourself down to think that somehow that meant if I just humble myself by beating myself up, if that's you today. Or if you say, maybe I've just placed idols working, my job, my car, my fame, my power, my influence, what other people care about. If you place that before him this morning, he's speaking to you. He wants you to make a commitment to humility today. True humility, not fake, not false humility, but true humility, knowing that you can't even breathe or walk or do anything without the precious grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you today, just slip your hand up. On any of those accounts saying, I want to make a commitment today to walk in humility with God as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, I see your hand. Oh my goodness, thank you. I see yours, I see yours. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. just want to keep your hand up for a moment. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, you see these hearts that are turning to you. They're crying out. They're saying, I want to walk humbly before you. Father, they are bowing down to you. They're bowing their idols down to you. They're humbly submitting to you. And Father, your word says that you will lift them up. And so, Father, strengthen each one of them today to walk in humility, submission, repentance, and obedience to your word. And Father, I may that each person who raised their hand, that a revival will start in their hearts. A new perspective of who you are will begin to manifest in their hearts. A hurting for the lost in your kingdom will begin to manifest even greater in their hearts. Father, I thank you. For who you are. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that convicts us, that moves us to repentance. We thank you for your word that is truth. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being so bold to raise your hands. We're going to close out if our prayer team could come up front here. If you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you've never made Him your Lord and Savior, there's some prayer people up here who can pray with you that prayer of salvation, maybe be for the first time in your life. Maybe you come up here and say, you know what? I've been walking far from Him and I just need somebody to pray with me today. These guys can pray with you up here this morning. If you need healing in your life, Maybe you say, you know what, I've got a sickness, I've got an ailment, I've got a disease that I need God's touch on my life. Come up here. 
And these guys will pray with you. I want to read this benediction to you guys before we go. It's Ephesians 3, verse 17 through 19. It says, May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, each of us, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org where you may sign up to receive our monthly Faith Communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.